As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The producers of this podcast recognize the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. The following podcast contains content of a graphic, violent nature and is not suitable for children. If you are a woman being stalked, abused, hounded, your life is being destroyed by your ex-partner online and you go down to the police station and you say, I'm being trolled, they just say, get off the internet, love. Ginger Gorman wrote a book called Troll Hunter about the very seriously dangerous people she discovered making threats online. 
She joins us to talk about it, beginning with the Christchurch Mosque Massacre. It happened in New Zealand, but he was an Australian. I very closely analysed a lot of his online posts and things as that massacre became public. And it contained lots and lots of the signalling that they use in those groups, 4chan, NChan, Reddit, 8chan, the cesspits of the internet. This is the way that they talk to each other, talk about white genocide and various other things, which was essentially telling that cohort that I am one of you. He was using this tactic that we call media fuckery or the trolls call media fuckery. He managed to get that manifesto published, huge chunks of it, and in some cases, like the Daily Mail published that manifesto in its entirety. So what he was doing was actually co-opting the media for his own ends and bringing lots more people to that ideology. He went on to the forums before the massacre and he told his whole cohort what he was going to do and they were egging him on and laughing as it was being broadcast live. And that same cohort captured the massacre and republished and republished that footage. So Facebook is also very culpable here. They left that footage up for 29 minutes, in which time trolls had time to copy that footage. And it's now everywhere. It's still everywhere, as is the manifesto. And even in the broadcast, he was signaling to his cohort. So he played this Serbian music, which is a white supremacist song about kebabs and it seems to be very innocent but it's not it's actually a violent dangerous song inciting slaughter i already knew that there were terrorist trolls there was a couple of them in my book and i already knew that they were behaving like this you mentioned that you never set out to become an expert on cyber hate basically an army of trolls came after me and my family in 2013 and so I learned firsthand what it means to be a cyber hate target. In 2010, I was ABC Finals Drive presenter based in Cairns, and I wrote a series about human rights of LGBTIQ plus people. And one of those stories was about this gay couple, Mark Newton and Peter Truong, who told me they had had this little boy via surrogacy in Russia. And so I went to their home. It was a beautiful home. He was a lovely child. For all intents and purposes, this seemed to be a lovely family. I moved back to Canberra after that. And when I was on maternity leave with my second baby in 2013, those two men were arrested in the United States and convicted as members of an international pedophile ring. They did not have that child via surrogacy in Russia. He was purchased from his Russian mother And he was horrendously sexually abused by those men and by other pedophiles around the globe from the time he was two weeks old. I still think about that child all the time and wonder how he is. It turned out to be a huge international sting. And they're both in prison now in the United States. And actually, there was a very good Four Corners done about that investigation. But what happened to me was that the minute those men were charged. Basically, conservatives in the United States got hold of that story. The stories that I had written were still online. I was really hunted online then. I got this death threat saying, your life is over. My tweets were geolocated. So you could basically click on my house on Google Maps and see like where we lived. 
I just remember like literally lying in bed in a cold sweat, could hear my little babies asleep in the next room, my two little girls breathing and thinking, did I just put my kids' lives in danger because of my job as a journalist? And no one could tell me. Like I literally rang the police and they said, stay off the internet, love. There's an example in my book where the journalist Sherelle Moody, she's amazing. She campaigns against gendered violence. Now the online hate she gets is so so extreme. In the process of writing the book, she writes to me and says, I'm getting all these threats saying someone's going to kill my horse. And then two days later, she wrote to me and said, Frank, her horse had been found dead and police are starting to pay attention to this. And also the social media your companies, they've been so slow to act, but they are starting to act on this because they have to. Like people are getting killed because of what's happening on their sites. This is not a tenable situation for women in public life. And it's basically now around the world starting to be seen as a democratic threat. There's a really interesting chapter in my book, which I think is almost the most important one in terms of understanding this behavior. So it's called The Internet Was My Parent. What it describes is kids, little boys mainly, from very, very neglected backgrounds, left alone online from the time they're tiny, so completely unparented. And what they're doing is they're sitting on these platforms like Reddit, 4chan, 8chan, and they are imbibing these ideologies of misogyny, bigotry, racism, and they're getting radicalized into predator trolling. I mean, there's a really interesting part in there where one of the trolls who's incredibly bright, right? It's super bright, but very deprived, like from a really awful, neglected, violent upbringing. So violent, alcoholic mother, no father to speak of, completely left alone. And he said to me, you know, you grow up in emotional poverty and you go online and you find a group of people who've been treated how you've been treated, who think how you think, and you can go out with them to get the world back again. These young men who are so angry and so bitter and so neglected find their tribes online. And what they do is create predator trolling syndicates They're like outlaw motorcycle gangs. So they have presidents, they have vice presidents, they have their own law, L-O-R-E, they have their own history. And they will work together sometimes in raids with each other. They do jobs together. We have not legislated to make the social media companies accountable. And I can't really understand why. Like I went to Facebook in 2018 and I said to them, Facebook Live is not safe. And they said, yes, it is. And then Christchurch massacre happened. And what's happened? Nothing. (laughs) Like I just feel like they tink around the edges, but they don't fix cyber hate because it would interrupt their revenue model. The first time I went to meet the troll in my book who is called Mark, who is a psychopath and does get people killed, I did not realize that I was going to be sitting opposite someone who was so dangerous. It was about 18 months after I had been really badly trolled. And I just put a call out online and almost immediately I got these responses. What I realized was they wanted to talk because if you think about who they are, they feel unheard. And it took a long time for me to wrap my head around this because they're like young white men who as a left-wing feminist, you think 
other people with the power in our community. But these are not people that feel like that. These are people that feel very disenfranchised. Look, I spoke to lots and lots of them over a long period, but there was probably half a dozen that I spoke to for five years or there was half a dozen of them that I knew really well by the end of it. And they just trusted me because I just kept listening. I just wanted to actually know who are these guys and why are they doing it? And are you still in touch with any of the trolls you interviewed for your book? There is one troll who I made very good friends with, who I do stay in touch with. And at the time I met him, he was president of quite a powerful trolling syndicate. He was very polite and very helpful as well as being seemingly a horrible person. Not long after I did the interview with him, he had a number of people die in his life, which happens a lot in the trolling community. They take a lot of drugs and they're very damaged. So they, a lot of them die. So he kind of went through this huge period of grief and he just started talking to me all the time on the encrypted apps. I guess we really became friends because of that. Like I ended up just treating him really like a human being. I just couldn't have written that book without him because I literally asked him thousands and thousands and thousands of questions. But it's very interesting. Like he was pro-guns, pro-Trump, quite woman-hating when I met him. I don't think he's woman-hating anymore. Mark, on the other hand, you know, I don't want people to think you can get friendly with trolls and it's all going to work out fine. He is a very damaged and very terrifying individual. For a long time, he would threaten me and I was genuinely scared of him. And like I wrote a piece in 2017 for Fairfax and there's a video with him that kind of went viral and I just couldn't untangle myself because he was so threatening and I had this really weird cat and mouse kind of game with him because he would say I'm going to fuck up your life I know how to hurt you which he did but then he also would give me really important insights and information and he also wanted a lot of what had happened written down but yeah, it's probably the most uncomfortable relationship I've ever been in. And every time it would go quiet for a while and I'd feel really relieved and then he would pop up again. I thought that that would continue kind of in perpetuity, but he's been very quiet now for more than a year. So I don't poke that bear. A number of them did become a lot kinder and a lot more human in that process. Not that I was trying to do psychotherapy on them, but it does show you that human kindness goes a long way, I think. Particularly if they're young, I guess, you know, five years is a long time in the life of a young person, isn't it? Yeah, especially if you're meeting them and they're in their early 20s, then by the time you stop talking to them, they're in their late 20s. I mean, there's one wonderful story that I tell sometimes when I am speaking in public. One of the guys I met was an incel when I met him. He was in that group of guys that call themselves involuntary celibates. They believe that you can use violence to get sex from women. They believe that they're owed sex. They're a horrible group of guys. And a lot of their chat logs in those groups are about you know, how they're going to rape women and so forth. Just disgusting. Mm. But one of these guys, when I met him, so I was talking to him for about a year. And by the end of the year, he said to me, you know, thank you so much, Ginger, because I no longer hate women. And he had been dating a woman and I think he was in quite a serious relationship. I did kind of think, oh, lucky her, you know, but he had changed. Well, people started to write to me when I would tell these stories and say that that's radical empathy. That's where you go in, not trying to change anyone's mind, but instead of being partisan or aggressive, you're just really listening. 
I think that's what I did. I paid a price for it, Michelle. Like by the end of writing the book, I was really alcoholic and I had very bad PTSD because it was so violent. I'm just a fat mom in the suburbs wearing a headband trying to get to school pickup. I was not expecting to spend five years of my life hanging out with white supremacists who kill people. People were getting shot in real time and people were dying. Jamie Cochran was a transgender woman who was head of one of these syndicates and she died of what seemed to be a drug overdose, it's a bit unclear, right before I was about to talk to her. You know, there was a high school shooter who was one of the admins that worked for Mark on his website. He did that shooting kind of in real time. And then I was in this position where Mark sent me the whole file on this kid because they keep files on each other. And I had every single detail about this high school shooter in New Mexico. I watched the press conferences live in New Mexico and the cops had no idea who he was. So I had to contact the AFP and say... I know this is a bit weird, but I've got a file that you need to give to the FBI. I mean, I'm just a journalist sitting in my office in Canberra, you know. I mean, it's bonkers, really. The whole thing was bonkers. Thank you to our guest, Ginger Gorman. Her book is called Troll Hunter and it's available now. Thank you to patrons Georgia Ray, Emma Montford, Georgia Clark, Chantel, Joe Taylor, and Fiona O'Leary. And thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime. We'll be back next week. This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, 
Movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.